Would you please pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for the truths that we encounter therein. And Lord, while we are looking at truths that, that many of us have heard many times before, Lord, we ask that your spirit would do a work in our hearts, that he would help us to see the goodness of this text, the goodness of your gospel. Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, help us to see Jesus. And it's in his great name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the first uh, television shows that Katie and I uh, watched all the way through together is a show called Parks and Rec. Uh, we're just highbrow. Um, anyway. And there's a character on that show named Ron Swanson. Um, now, Ron Swanson is a carnivor carnivorous libertarian outdoorsman who says exactly what is on his mind at all times. Uh, and at some point in the show, uh, he becomes a father, and he has this reflection on fatherhood. He says, I love being a father, but there are a few things I miss. Silence, the absence of noise, one single moment undisturbed by the sound of a children's program called Doc McStuffins. There is no quiet anymore. There is only Doc McStuffins. Now, there are many wonderful things about having small kids, but quiet is not one of them. And when there is constant noise, it is hard to find peace, peace of mind, peace of soul. And while there is a particular type of noise that accompanies parenting, parenting especially of, of little ones, living where we do at the time that we are living, it is nearly impossible for any of us to escape noise. It can feel as though we live in what C.S. Lewis referred to as the kingdom of noise. And this is unfortunate, as constant noise and distractions have been found to have a negative impact on our health and well-being. According to an article I read in Psychology Today, excessive noise is associated with cardiovascular disease and psychiatric problems. It disrupts sleep, leading to additional stress and contributes to feelings of anxiety and depression. And pretty much all of us walk around with our own personal distraction slash anxiety machines at all times. One study published in the National Library of Medicine found that smartphone distractions, right, the constant alerts, notifications, and the general availability for communication, it creates a sense of urgency and a fear of missing out, leading to increased stress and anxiety. Uh, this article showed how constant interruptions from smartphones can disrupt attention and increase cognitive load, which in turn can lead to feelings of stress and overwhelm. Peace is hard to come by. And that's just looking at externals, right? Not even touching, not even touching the issues caused by troubled consciences, strained relationships, feelings of disappointment and inadequacy. Peace, true peace, is hard to come by. But the good news of our text is that peace True peace is possible and available to those who belong to Jesus. As we read in Romans 5.1, Therefore, 
Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the major benefits of our justification is the gift of peace. But friends, that's just one. And in our time together this morning, as we walk through Romans 5, 1 through 11, which will begin for us a new series on Romans 5 through 7, we're going to look at the, at the amazing reality that we are justified by faith. And, and we're going to look primarily at two things. So this, this morning's sermon has two points. There's normally three, but don't get your hopes up. It does not mean that it's going to be a third shorter. All right. We've got two things we're going to focus on. The first is, uh, are the benefits of our justification. And the second is the motivation for our justification. There's a lot that can be said about this topic and from this passage, but we're gonna limit ourselves and really hone in on those two things. So let's begin by looking at the benefits of our justification. Now, before we get too deeply into our discussion of the benefits of our justification, I just want to take a step back real quick and define our terms. What does justification mean? Well, the Westminster Shorter Catechism has a helpful summary of this important topic. In question 33, the catechism asks, what is justification? And the answer given is, and this is derived from Scripture, Justification is the act of God's free grace by which he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. He does so only because he counts the righteousness of Christ as ours. Justification is received by faith alone. Justification is essentially a not guilty verdict. And that verdict is ours when we place our faith in Jesus, because when we place our faith in Jesus, we are united to him. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this book, the book of Romans, along with 12 other books in the New Testament, he's responsible for approximately 28% of the New Testament. There goes my notes. That's always, like, just terrifying when that happens, but it's okay. Um, I'd have to, like, rely on the Spirit or something. Um, so the Apostle Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, uh, he sees our union with Jesus as one of the essential, the central elements of the Christian faith. And he often describes that union with a variety of phrases, phrases like in Christ or in the Lord, in Christ Jesus or in him. These phrases occur more than 200 times in Paul's writings. So by faith, we are bound to Jesus, which means that Jesus' perfect record is given to us. Our sin is real. It is ugly. But Jesus' perfection, his goodness, is so powerful that it completely overrides it. So when God looks on us, he sees the goodness of Jesus. And this is given to us as a free gift of grace, and we receive that by faith. So what are the benefits then that flow from being in Christ? Well, we already touched on the first one, but we read about it again in verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. We have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Despite the noise, despite the distractions, we can have peace. And the key is our justification. And see, without that, we're left to ourselves to justify our existence. Now, while we don't use the term justification in a technical or theological sense with too much frequency, it's a term that we, that we do see thrown around in our culture a fair amount. Right? From athletes who are supposed to justify the expense of their ridiculous contracts, and there are some ridiculous contracts out there, right? to politicians who need to justify the delay in fulfilling various campaign promises, to business people who need to justify why numbers are down in this particular quarter, to parents who feel the need to explain the behavior of their children. I've never been there. To students who find their meaning and purpose as grades come out each semester. We are all trying to justify our existence in one way or another. Apart from Christ, we are looking to externals to say, this is why I matter. This is what I have to contribute. This is how I can be enough. So think for a second. What might that be for you? What are you tempted to point to as evidence that you matter, that you are important, that you are doing enough, that you are enough? Well, friends, sorry to burst your bubble, but those things will never be enough. And if you don't believe me, let's just take a minute and consider some of the people who have made it, right? Who have justified their existence more effectively than, than most people in the world, right? The hyper-successful, the hyper-rich, those who, again, have, have reached the top, they tend to not be a very happy, well-adjusted, contented people, are they? See, since the fall, we have a deep-seated and accurate notion that there is something wrong with us. We aren't what we're supposed to be or who we're supposed to be. When the Bible talks about humans before the fall, the last statement given about Adam and Eve before sin entered the world was this. Both the man and his wife were naked and yet felt no shame. Naked and without shame. No need to cover up. No need to self-justify. No discomfort with who they were. But immediately after the fall, after they had sinned the very first time, thereby bringing sin into the world, this is then what we read. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Fig leaves. Fig leaves perhaps are are better than nothing, but not much better. Our attempts at self-justification may help us to find some relief. They may help us to feel slightly less exposed. But the only thing that we are capable of fashioning for ourselves is a fig leaf covering. No matter how good or talented we may be, all we are capable of are fig leaves. They're just not going to cut it. So then what does God do? Well, after explaining, this is back in Genesis 3, after explaining what's going to happen as a result of their sin, we read in chapter 3, verse 21, the Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife, and he clothed clothed them. 
God covered Adam and Eve, one of the first acts of grace that we see after the fall. God covered their shame, and he did so with something far more adequate. Skins would be something, would be far more substantial than fig leaves. But notice, though, that with this covering, there's a cost involved. It required blood. There had to be a sacrifice. Animals don't just give up their skin. And this, in a powerful way, prefigures the work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus covers us with his blood, replacing our fig leaves with his robe of righteousness. Isaiah talks about this in chapter 61 of the book that bears his name. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and wrapped me in a robe of righteousness. And that work came to fruition in Jesus who we are told was made to be sin, even though he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And what is one of the major byproducts of that? What comes with knowing that I am covered by Jesus, that I'm clothed with his robe of righteousness? Peace. Peace in the knowledge that in Christ you are enough. You are enough, right? His perfection covers our imperfection. And there's absolutely nothing that we can do to add to our justification. It is finished. He has done it. We can rest. So because we are justified, we have peace. But not only that, we're also told that we have access In verse two we read, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through Christ in our justification, we have access to grace and the God of grace that before would have been utterly impossible. Because of Christ, we are able to approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That's not that passage, this is that passage. There we go. Uh, This year, one of of Katie's uncles was invited to attend uh, the vice president's Christmas party uh, at the vice president's residence at one observatory circle in Washington, D.C. And regardless of anyone's political affiliation, to be invited into the house, into the residence of a sitting president or vice president, it's a really big deal. There are roughly 330 million people who live in this country. Not many of those 330 million people have access to a sitting president or vice president. So Katie's aunt and uncle got to be one of 200 people to have that unique access. But as significant as that access was, it's no longer available to them, or probably 75% of the people that were in attendance that night. And while they were there, they weren't just like, hanging with the vice president. There was a protocol, and there were secret service agents there to make sure that the protocol was being followed. No hugs, no nicknames. It was access, but there's still distance. That's for one of the leaders of one nation. But in our justification, we are assured of the fact that we have access to the God of all nations, of all peoples, all peoples past, present, and future. And it is full, unmediated access. 
In his letter to the Galatians, Paul explains, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is a term of intimacy. It is what children in the ancient Near East called their own fathers. And this is what we are invited into in our justification. Full, unfettered access to the God of the universe who we get to call Abba. So we have peace. We have access. And the last thing I'll mention from this text here is hope. Starting in verse 2 through verse 5, we read, We boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Our justification enables us to be a people of hope. Hope in what? In the full revelation of the glory of God, which is our heart's deepest longing. And the more we experience his peace and have access to real relationship with God and utilize that access through being in his word, through being with his people, through approaching him in prayer, the more we exercise that access, the more we want the more we'll desire to be with God, to be in his presence, the more we will want to see his glory. We have a hope, and it's a hope that will not disappoint. I love that that phrase in verse five. This hope will not disappoint. How How many times have you been disappointed Built something or someone up in your mind, but when you actually encounter that thing or that person, it's not what you would hope for. It's sometimes dangerous for us to meet our heroes, isn't it? Well, that will not be the case when we encounter God in all of his glory. This hope will not disappoint us. We have hope. Hope even, we're told, in the midst of suffering. Why? Because the God who gives us peace and invites us into fellowship with him, he can be trusted, even when it seems as though everything is going wrong. Here we have the assurance that God is at work even in the midst of our afflictions. In fact, we're told that that suffering initiates a sort of chain reaction ending in hope. Suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which culminates in hope. As Tim Keller put it in his commentary on Romans, the benefits of justification are not only not diminished by suffering, they are enlarged by it. In other words, if you face suffering with a clear grasp of justification by grace alone, your joy in that grace will deepen. Our justification provides us with peace, it gives us access, and it gives us hope. And we can see these as the sort of tenses of our salvation, right? Jesus has freed us from our past and we are now free in our present to enjoy personal fellowship with God and we will one day experience the full, awesome presence of God's glory. All right, so you might be thinking, cool, but I'm super stressed right now. So what do I do with this? Well, I've had the benefit of getting to to think about this all week, and and I've tried to apply it, to apply it. Um, It's been messy, but it's been good. 
Uh, in fact, it's been kind of a, a crazy week in the Locke household. Uh, the kids are still home from school. School starts up next week. And at the moment, I've got a lot on my plate. And at the same time, in addition to keeping our house functioning, uh, Katie has a lot with her work. And we had one day this week in particular where I had two meetings stacked up. And in between those two meetings, uh, Katie also had two meetings. And so I had a little bit of margin where I got to leave one meeting, go home, take the kids out so that the house was somewhat quiet um, so that Katie could have her meeting so then I could drop her off, drop them off and uh, go to my next meeting. It was great. Um, there's, there's absolutely no margin. We're passing ships and we're talking to each other as though we were drill sergeants. And it was, it was stressful. And, and adding to that, like I, I do have a, a proclivity to, to be angsty. I know I'm the only millennial that has that proclivity. Um, so I've got a definite idea of the way that things ought to be. And guess what? I live in the world where things often aren't as they should be. So we were stressed and I had a chip on my shoulder and uh, got to the end of that day and, and Katie and I sat down and, and tried to debrief what was going on. And I had to say out loud, first the irony of the fact that we're super stressed and I'm about to preach on the access that we have to peace in Christ. But as we were, as we were discussing sort of the different things that were weighing on us and, and the reasons for our stress, I, I, I had to say out loud, like the reality of verse one, right, that because I am justified, I have access to peace and that that is real. And I had to confess the reality like, out loud that you know, I have a tendency to try to justify myself. Um, I tend to do it through spinning a lot of plates so if you ask me how I'm doing, the answer is usually busy, and I'm trying to stop saying that. But I, 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 see, I see myself doing this, where I, I just say yes to a lot of things, and, and I feel like one of the ways that I matter is by doing a lot of things and by doing them all at once. That's, a, that's something that I can offer. But that's not what justifies me. And so we, we talked about the different things, again, that were on our plate and that were stressing us out. And, and I, I had to say, like, at some point, none of this is going to matter. I'm going to come to the end of, end of my life and no one is going to remember this week that is super stressful to me right now. What is going to matter, though, is the fact that I'm united to Jesus. And that reality, speaking that out loud, taking a step back, looking at my circumstances in light of the gospel, that dramatically changed the way that I viewed those things that were really stressful to me. And so I think one of the ways that we apply this is by continually reminding ourselves of what is ultimate. We live in the kingdom of noise. There are always going to be noisy things, but none of those things distract us from this truth. If we have placed our faith in Jesus, we are united to him. We are in him. And that gives us peace. We have access to the Father. And we have hope. And nothing, nothing can take that away from us. So friends, those are the benefits, at least some of the benefits that we see here of our justification. But I think it's worth asking the question, why were we justified? What was the motivation for our justification? What did God, why did God do that? Why did God justify us? Well, let's read verses six through eight. 
For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why did God justify us? Love. Love. That is the answer. Amazing, unfathomable love. And we looked earlier at the, at the incredible peace that comes with knowing that Christ is our covering. See, that's the positive half of our justification. The other part is what it cost him. See, Jesus lived the perfect life that we can f- continually fail to live. But what about our sin? Well, that was dealt with, not by us, but by Jesus. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve condemnation. But Jesus took that on himself so that we might be spared. Why? Love. To prove his love for us. And why does he love us? Why did he love us enough to go to the cross for us? Because we're so great? Not so much. No, he loves us because he loves us. Like a parent loves a child. When someone has a a new baby, that person's capacity for love just explodes. And why is it that a person loves a newborn baby? Is it because that baby provides some benefits to that person? What if you met somebody who, who just had a baby and they came back and they said, I just love my baby. They're just so good at math. Or, you know, they, they really helped me with my taxes this year. Or they're just a great conversationalist. Now, that person would be bonkers. Like that, that, that doesn't work. Or if someone said, I love my baby because having a baby gives my life meaning. Or it means that I'm never going to be lonely. Those things might be true, but you'd be concerned for that baby because that's a lot of pressure. The love of a parent to a new baby isn't a love because. It is just love. Well, this starts to get at the love of God. But at the end of the day, it pales in comparison. Because God's love isn't simply a love because, or it's it's not simply not a love because. It's a love despite because it is lavished on us, when? While we were still sinners. And because, friends, this love is unearned, it cannot be taken away. As Paul goes on to write in a later chapter, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And friends, knowing that love, knowing that love that passes understanding, 
knowing that love that cannot be taken away, that love that cannot be measured, knowing that, accepting that, it changes everything. In just a, in just a minute, we're going to sing a hymn together while we take communion. And it, and it puts the reality of God's love and the, and the transformation but the transformation that, that that love brings about so beautifully. We're gonna sing together. My song is love unknown, my Savior's love for me, love to the loveless shown, that they might lovely be. The love of God makes you lovely. It changes everything. And he proves it in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. So friends, will you accept that love? Will you lean in to the justification that is yours by faith? Will you allow it to transform your heart, grabbing hold of the peace, exercising the access, and living into the hope that comes with it? Let's pray. God, we thank you for, for loving us enough to send your son, not when we had figured things out, not when we had made ourselves lovable, but while we were still sinners. Father, we thank you for the reality that justification comes as a free gift of grace, that it's not something held out to us to work toward or to earn, but that it is lavished on us that it is ours by faith. So Father, I pray that you would increase our faith. Help us to trust in Jesus. Lord, free us from our tendency to try to justify ourselves, to prove our own enoughness. Lord, help us to admit that on our own we are not enough so that we could celebrate with greater joy the reality that Jesus was enough for us. Lord, help us to cling to him. And as we do so, God, fill us with peace. Help us to know it. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.